Hello everyone, this is Patrick and you're listening to the Phileas Club. This is episode number two for May 27th, 2008, Made Up Holidays. This is episode number two of the Affiliates Club. Welcome, everyone. If this is the first time uh, you are listening to our show, welcome to you. And if you are a returning listener, uh, you might notice that we are going to change the format a little bit. Um, I thought the the last show was great, but I needed something that was a little bit more focused. So we are going to have two parts in the show today and from now on. The first part is going to be a few big international stories uh, that we are all going to discuss. And the second part is going to be smaller local stories from each of our uh, panelists. And talking about panelists, we have a fantastic group lined up today, um, and I'm going to introduce them right now. The first panelist is Turkey, and he he has a wonderful blog and podcast about life in Saudi Arabia. So he's currently uh, residing in the U.S., but he's originally for, from Saudi Arabia. Uh, hi, Turkey. What time is it for you? How's the weather, and how are you? Well, hi, Patrick. I'm doing well, thank you very much. Well, it's 11 a.m. here, and it's a bit cloudy for summertime, so <laughs> I'm stuck at home during Memorial Day. Well, don't, it's, it's actually raining here. It's, uh, it's 5 p.m. in Paris here where I am, uh, and it's raining, actually. It's been raining for the past week, and it's pretty horrible, so... Uh, it's, yeah, it's just I, I know cloudy. the feeling. It's the same thing here. It's been raining too much for us. <laughs> well, uh, it changes from Saudi Arabia, I guess. It's basically the summer all the time there, right? Oh, yeah. That's the nice weather. Where you you don't... have the sun out all the time. It's warm. It's nice. You, you don't ever get sick cold. of it? Well, you have air conditions. Just go in home, open, turn your air condition on, and you're okay. <laughs> If you feel like winter, you just turn on the air conditioning, right? Exactly. exactly. Um, so our second panelist is uh, Arthur from the Armenian Armenian blog, sorry, uh, the Armenian Observer. Um, so he is obviously from Armenia. And uh, you are currently in uh, Yerevan, right? Which is the capital of uh, Armenia. That's right, Arthur? Yep, that's right. That's right. And we have clouds and hot, and hopefully your French rain will come over this way very soon. <laughs> See, we, we, we should get uh, things to, to work better with the world. Like, you, we have too much rain, you need it. We should be able to send it over. W what time is it for you uh, now, Arthur? It's right now like 20 past 20 or something. But yeah, basically that's it. So 8 p.m. It's 20 p.m. Yeah, 8 p.m. Okay. Uh, so welcome, Arthur. And our thir third guest is Randy from uh, the US. Uh, he doesn't have a political blog, but we know each other from a video game podcast. Um, and we've known each other for quite a while now. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, very well indeed. And, and I'd say we've known each other for about two years, which is surprising how fast that time has, has passed by. Yeah. And we've never actually met each other, although that might happen happen uh, this summer. That, that's hopefully. that's imminent. Uh, it is. Uh, I'm in Central Texas. It is hot. It it's a holiday for a Monday, and it's uh, it's overcast. Uh, 10 a.m. as we start recording uh, from my vantage point. Okay. Um, so I, I want to talk about that holiday for just a minute. But before that, I actually have a, a question for uh, Arthur and, uh, and Turkey. Um, so Randy and I know each other because of this video game thing. And I just in a few sentences, what's the state of the video game uh, market and industry in your countries? Like, I, I would like to know how it's like in Armenia and Saudi Arabia. Because when I think about Saudi Arabia, I think... Uh, gas and sand and armenia i don't even know so tell me do you have ps3s and xboxes and nintendo wii's and stuff like that uh turkey if you can go first 
Oh, well, yeah. Of course, we got all of those games. Xboxes, 360, PlayStation 3, Nintendo. Um, Arthur, I was reading your blog a little while ago, and I uh, saw that about 5%, I think, of the population now has internet access. That can't be good for the technology industry. You can't have that much video games, do you? Actually, we have a lot of video games. Now, the other thing that you should know is Armenia was ranked the first in pir world piracy rate. I mean... Armenia is the Ooh. state where you have the most amount of pirated software, including video games. So, so it's not China. I would, I could have sworn it was China or somewhere in in Asia, Southeast Asia, maybe. Or, okay. Um, what about this uh, Memorial Day thing? Uh, so, uh, for you, Turkey, you were telling me you wanted to get a new mic actually today, and you didn't realize that it was a holiday. Uh, I, I don't even know what Memorial Day is, is, is in the U.S. Do you know, or should we ask Randy? It's it's a one-day holiday, the last Monday in the month of May every year, and it's a it's a federally created holiday where we memorialize those who have given their lives in uh, foreign service, uh, military service. Uh, Turkey, okay, I, I really want to get into the meat of the show, but just before we do that, uh, I have another question. You were telling me, Turkey, about the amount of holidays that we dirty Europeans and Americans had. Uh, can you tell for our audience how many holidays you have in Saudi Arabia each year? Hey, did, did you just say dirty? <laughs> <laughs> I never hey, said that. I never used the word dirty. You don't put words in my mouth. Hey, I'm trying to stir up some controversy, you know? You Saudi Arabia versus the US. That that's the, the, the beat of the show. <laughs> Sorry, go, go ahead. What what were you uh, saying? I was just saying it's just uh, in the, apparently in Western culture people do honor a lot of holidays and many of these holidays are just made up holidays every year they add a new holiday and I'm looking I'm thinking within the next 50 years Europe and the US would have half of the year full of holidays and only working half <laughs> the other half hey I'm I'm not worried about holidays more holidays is better to me but I'm French so what do I know what about you hey, Arthur what, hey, I, I, I'm oh, a student I'm here studying and I want to get be done with my classes. I don't need more holidays. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Arthur? Armenia is full well, of, of in, holidays too? In, in May alone, we had like um, five holidays which you don't go to work at all. Well, there you go. You're ready to be part of Europe, I say. You have five holidays in one month. That's the right way to, get, to do it. Yeah, um, trying hard, trying hard. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go into the first part of the show with our international news. Okay, first story I want to talk about is uh, the one from uh, Burma, obviously. Uh, so for people who didn't hear about this, I don't know what you've been doing, friend and listener. But if you haven't heard about what's happened in Burma, you need to get out more, I would say. Uh, Burma, of course, uh, had a terrible tragedy happening at the beginning of um, the month. A hurricane arrived and basically destroyed a huge part of the country. And today the toll, uh, the number of deaths is at about 130, 140,000 just by direct death from the hurricane. Now, this kind of things happen all around the world. But the, the really terrible thing in Burma was the fact that uh, the military, uh, there, it's a military regime, ba basically. Uh, the junta, which rules the country, didn't want to let um, the, the humanitarian, uh, woo, I can't talk, humanitarian aid uh, enter the country because they didn't want um, maybe uh, one of you guys can tell me why they didn't want uh, the, the aid to get in the country and let they basically let their people die. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Turkey, why don't you tell us what you heard about this? 
first of all, it's okay to lose your English. I lose it a lot, so don't worry about that part. <laughs> and basically what's going on in Burma, as far as I can understand, is because Burma is not really popular but throughout the world, they're very harsh uh, government dictatorship, a military dictatorship, and they really are not interested, and they're worried about getting people in to find out the truth of what's going inside Burma and starting to spread the word to the Burmese people about the reality of the rest of the world because nobody knows what's going on. So you, you could say maybe it's a protective measure uh, that could be similar to something like we saw in uh, communist uh, Russia that, Arthur, you might know something about. Uh, a little bit. Doctor. Yeah, basically, uh, I, I, I mean, I would agree with most of what um, Turkey just said. Uh, from what I know is military junta is really restrictive of, especially they're scared of, you know, foreigners generally, because these people come, go make possible contacts with opposition, transfer stuff back and forth. As far as I know, Burma has one of the biggest restrictive internet firewalls. They don't issue visas, they have like 800 mobile phones in the whole country kind of stuff just because they want to have everything under control. Uh, in Soviet Union, what we saw in 1988 there was a major earthquake in Armenia actually and uh, the whole world came here in a sign of you know friendship and the Soviets opened the border. What we saw afterwards is Soviets collapsed, not that it's directly related to the health, health from the world but In Armenia, people thought of these imperialists, these sturdy capitalists outside of Soviet borders, and the government was facilitating this idea, saying that everything outside of Soviets is bad. And then suddenly, there you have it. You have an earthquake, and everybody, all these kind people are coming with help. Same as far as I understand, and as far as my friends have told me about Burma is there. They are saying about creating this image of enemy. Everybody outside of Burma is our enemy. And then opening borders and having all this assistance would contradict to this uh, picture, I guess. I guess we could all agree that the, the regime in, in Burma is bad. But uh, the, the angle that I'm interest, interested in uh, here is the angle of intervention, um, it, like uh, interfering with another country, because the idea is, uh, what a lot of people were saying is, you know, uh, stuff the junta, let's just go in because people need help, and let's just go in the country and give food to the people, which sounds like a very good idea on the on the humane part, but politically it's a very strong and bold and dangerous move. So uh, I would be interested to ask you, Randy, actually, what you think about this, considering your country is well, known for not being very uh, embarrassed when they actually enter uninvite in, uninvited in countries, which, you know, sometimes is warranted, sometimes not that much. Exactly. And that's, and that's the problem is from one incident to the next, you're, you are colored by the very last major incident and how it was handled and whether or not uh, there, you know, there came to blows and, and so forth. Uh, it's very, very difficult for example, to, to uh, coalesce the thoughts, we need to go in and help these people. And at the same time, boy, we sure would like to help raise up the people who are who are suffering and mm. not necessarily from the hurricane at the same time. Well, okay, to be completely fair, we have to, uh, like, on May 22nd, the Junta actually allowed uh, uh, the, the, uh, the associations to enter the country and to help the people, but it did take three weeks. But um, the, the thing is, uh, with that story, everyone speaks in one voice and says, we should be allowed to get in and to save people. But when something happens, for example, in Yugoslavia, which is even closer to our uh, countries, to our civilized countries, um, uh, we debate endlessly about if we should go in or not, and it takes the will of uh, the American government to actually just go in. It, it's a generalization, but uh, I, I, I think I, that's... I yeah, think go ahead, Turkey. The, re the real problem is uh, with Burma or Marimar or whatever they want to call it these days, it's the fact that they did not give enough warning to their own people about the cyclone. They never prepared for it. They just let the whole thing hit people, killed hundreds, 120,000 people or so, and after that, they even ignored the helping them. So it's they didn't warn them in advance, and they're not helping them after it happened. 
Yeah, but that, that, does that mean, would you, okay, for example, would you, uh, Turkey, be uh, for going in without the, uh, the agreement of the Burmese government? Well, in my personal opinion, I believe no government or any national should enter a country without permission. It's the duty of the people of that country to rise against that government and force it to do what right. is right. Okay. Arthur, what, what do you think about that? Should we go in without their uh, uh, agreement? There is an issue about mandate. I think power eventually lies with the people who, who have to rule themselves. So in Burma, people are in a bad condition, oppressed. They can't rule themselves. However, nobody other than them has the mandate to decide for themselves what's good and what's bad. So they have this government, which is somehow legitimized by the same U.S., I mean, or China or anybody else recognizing or not recognizing, but still dealing with it. I mean, if U.S. government asks um, Myanmar authorities if they should enter or not enter, doing this means they legitimize that government. After that, they have no mandate to enter it without its permission. Right, but when you see the numbers, like 130,000 deaths, it's, you know, it does put things in perspective. But I guess ultimately the international community does agree with this, and obviously they can't do any anything else, you know, they can't, they can't get in anyway, and I think that's the consensus uh, there. Um, okay, let's move on to another story, uh, which is equally complicated and uh, horrible, which is the one from Beirut. And at this point, I should probably disclose the fact that I was born uh, in Beirut. I left the country uh, at the beginning of the war uh, a long time ago when I was two years old and have lived in Paris ever since. But I did. Uh, uh, I was born in Beirut in Lebanon. So, yeah, I, I should probably say that. And I'm going to give a little bit of background about that uh, also. Uh, the Basically, the civil war uh, started again briefly when Hezbollah uh, took uh, arms and invaded the west of uh, the town, of the city of Beirut. Um, and I think a lot of people have heard from this. I don't know that everyone has heard of the reasons why Hezbollah invaded basically half of the of the city. Uh, did did you, did you guys uh, hear about the reasons why uh, Turkey? Yeah, uh, it's, uh, the reasons were apparently Hezbollah, with the support of Iran, they mounted uh, video cameras to monitor the airport. They built their own uh, communication system with fiber optics throughout the country. And when the government found out, and the government decided to shut down all of these things and declared them illegal, and apparently Hezbollah was not happy with that, and they just got to arms and decided it's time for war. Um, Arthur, did you hear about the reasons also? Uh, not really. Actually, we are getting a very different perspective of this story because we have a large Armenian diaspora there and all coverage is how is this bad uh, war affecting or internal fighting affecting Armenian community all in all. Uh, so basically we're just hearing whether this is bad or good or how many Armenians are leaving Lebanon and things like that. That's why we're not really getting into and it's really dangerous for Armenia to engage or to speculate anything politically related inside uh, stuff going on in Lebanon. So our news are, I'd say, cautious. Okay. Well, okay, for the people who don't know, you have a common border with uh, Iran, which is basically backing uh, Hezbollah, I guess. Uh, yes, we do. How, how are your relationships with uh, Iran? Uh, very warm and warming up even further and we have very good relationships also with US and Russia something that's quite abnormal but that's a fact yeah how, uh, how, how do you pull I mean, it off maybe maybe you should give us a, a couple of lessons how can you be friends with everyone <laughs> <laughs> well the problem is you can't <laughs> so um, the government is navigating between his world powers and uh, wanna be superpowers, and I don't know what's going to come out of it in the end. Okay, uh, Randy, I'm going to go to you now because obviously uh, the the current uh, U.S. Ad uh, administration, uh, the Bush administration, is not very happy with uh, Iran, and they are backing Hezbollah. Um, wh how did you hear about that uh, Hezbollah story, and did you hear at all about Lebanon? We, we get a very high view, uh, you know, sort of an overview of what's going on in Lebanon on our, on our usual news. You know, so, for instance, tonight there will be 
there will be a story about how uh, President Bush uh, made contact with the, the new president of Lebanon and invited him to come to Washington. But they won't, you know, they won't get into how interesting that is. Because one of the worst things in, in a lot of the, the most uh, struggling places in the world, one of the worst things you can do is make friends with George Bush. <laughs> and and I don't I don't know the, our news would never get into the you know trying to understand how it's a it's a bad situation even with this turn of events because they're giving they're giving Hezbollah veto power you know they're trying to form a national unity government and national unity governments never work and it, you know so it's it's uh, there's a lot going on there that we just will not hear about right well what what they did basically uh with the help of Qatar and the Arab League um okay let's let's go back a little bit to the roots of the conflict which is Syria basically uh wants Lebanon and it it was a part of of Lebanon uh Lebanon was a part of Syria a long time ago and it has claims uh to the country in all. So it's been pushing internal uh, wars for years and years. And Hariri was getting a lot of power and he was against Syria. So basically, it's highly speculated in a lot of uh, uh, places that Syria had him killed. And um, uh, since then, over the past year and a half, uh, they haven't had a president because they couldn't get in a consensus to get one guy uh, in office. And uh, all the, the anti-Syrian uh, uh, political personalities have been as assassinated one after the other. And uh, what happened now with this uh, consensus for this president, who was the uh, uh, supreme commander of the army, is that uh, the reasons why the Hezbollah took their weapons was basically against the government because they had, as you said, Turkey um, installed uh, a personal uh, network of uh, tele telecommunications and video cameras, private video cameras surveilling the airport, which is obviously very illegal, but it's almost certain that with this uh, um, thing they did, with the consensus they got, the cameras are back in the airport. It's almost certain. To put things more clearly, Hezbollah got what they wanted, um, and they are backed by Iran through Syria. But uh, well, let, let me clarify a few things. Uh, yes, please do. I I, I yeah. see this from very far, so maybe you'll yeah. know better. Yeah. First of all, uh, Syria, Lebanon was never part of Syria. Lebanon has always been uh, in its, its own independent in, in a, uh, government. Even during the Ottoman Empire, it was its own region. It was never part of Syria. Syria has no a part in Lebanon. Uh, the real problem in Lebanon is is this, the huge division. It's just so divided of a country. There's actually, it's, you would say, it's almost exactly divided into three thirds of uh, three thirds. One third uh, Christians, one third uh, Sunnis, and one third Shias. So it's exactly the that. And they went through a huge civil war. For uh, I think since was seventy five until nineteen ninety something, I'm mm -hmm. not sure exactly. Well, it it never really stopped, but yeah, more or less like this. Yeah, and then in the resolution where they stopped this civil war officially was even worse, as they have this uh, uh, sectic uh, government where it's officially the president has to be a Christian, the prime right. minister has to be a Sunni. And uh, had, uh, the parliament has to be a Shia. So it's a very complicated situation. Uh, apparently Israel is helping that situation because Hezbollah can lose all power and, and right to carry arms in Lebanon as simple as if, if Israel turns in uh, the Sheba farms or Mazara Sheba to Lebanon and which Hezbollah in Lebanon claims that's, that's a part of Lebanon and, and Israel claims it's part of Syria. And that's the problem. It's as simple as that. Well, I, I would agree. Uh, I would argue that uh, they always find something more. Uh, we enter uh, personal views uh, land here, I think, and it's uh, important to, to say that. Um, I would think that uh, both Hezbollah and other factions in the region 
always find something else that they're claiming. And the situation is incredibly difficult uh, between uh, Christians in uh, a small sense and uh, Jewish, uh, the Jewish uh, um, state, obviously, and Sunni and Shiite. And uh, maybe I could ask, because we always hear, I think most people will tell you that the heart of the, the issues, of most issues in the Middle East, are uh, the the differences between Sunni and Shiite, and we don't really know what those are. So again, I'm going to turn to Turkey uh, and ask, maybe you could tell us what exactly is the issue that Sunni and Shiite have. Well, basically, uh, first of all, Shias are a minority in the Muslim population, so right. and most of the Shias, like there's only one Shiite government or country in the world, which is Iran, which is officially majority Shia. Iraq has a majority Shia, and those are the only countries with a majority of Shias. The majority of Muslims are Sunnis. And the basic uh, division uh, is very difficult to say. However, the most simplest way to divide them is the Shias do have... Uh, their views of authority and religious authority, they do have the Ayatollah, who is the final religious authority. He's the, he's the God's uh, servant, he's God's hand on earth, and he has the authority to say what is law and what is not in, in Islam. However, the Sunnis do not have a central authority. There's no Ayatollah, there's nothing, and it's not mandated. Other religious people can have different opinions. So that's the basic difference between the two faiths. And the okay. uh, fight between them has been going on since the, I think, 8th century. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm not going to talk about things I don't uh, really, really know, so I'll just leave it at that. But I'll ask uh, Arthur, uh, you are basically living in a country that's on the border of all those uh, uh, countries, those Middle Eastern, Eastern uh, countries. Uh, what do you think about that situation between Sunni and Shiite? Well, first of all, you have also to know that we are the country which has like 99% Christian population. So we really know, you know, more than less we should know. I mean, we really know very little bit about uh, religion and about what relations like Muslim religion. What we know is that we are at war with Azerbaijan, which is a Muslim country. We have very tense relations with Turkey, which is again a Muslim country, and we have uh, pretty good, you know, trade relations and diplomatic relations with Iran. Um, and that's like our only option. Actually, we have to have at least one good neighbor and work with it. <laughs> so, in that sense, so, I have no so you're, idea. You're, you're not friends with everyone, actually, like we were saying before. What about you, Randy? What do you do? You know about the differences between uh, Sh Sunni and Shiite? I do, and I'm reminded of this time I went to get my hair cut, and my barber was a Persian lady. And so I, I sat down, and I said, so, so from your, from Iran, tell me about your country, this sort of thing. And then after we had talked about Iran for a little while, I said, what do you think about Iraq? And she said, I don't, I don't understand what you mean. And I said, well, what, this is neighboring country. The, to your country, to your homeland, what what do you think about what's going on there? And she said, I don't. I don't know anything that's going on there. Why would you ask me that? I, I don't care about that. And I thought that was that was really fascinating, that idea that – because the general uh, perception is that it would be the other way around. The American would be the one who doesn't care and doesn't know and, and doesn't yeah. care to know. Uh, and and I, was genu I was genuinely interested in her opinion. She didn't have one. Uh, wow. you know, so – it it doesn't surprise me anymore when you know when I find out uh, the fact is I live a few miles uh, you know a few hundred miles from Mexico I would say most people uh, that you know most of my neighbors know absolutely nothing about the political landscape of Mexico about really anything in that huge country and and so I kind of understand but I, I was just reminded of that just now it, yeah. it it makes it makes sense you know we're all in in a country, our countries where we yeah. have... Yeah, I guess the, the, the difference is here, uh, and it's going to link to our uh, second, uh, uh, next topic, which is going to be the last international topic, um, the, the, the fact that uh, in the Middle East, basically what happens there is an influence to the rest of the world, mainly because the oil is in the Middle East. So when Shi'i hate Sunni and when uh, the, the, the Israeli uh, do something and the Arab countries uh, do something else, uh, it, it's going to change the world, basically. 
And that's why it's more important. I don't want to be uh, too harsh on Mexico, but yeah, that's why it's more important than for, for uh, you know, other parts of the world. And talking about uh, issues and problems, uh, it was the 60th birthday of, uh, well, an anniversary, I guess, of uh, the creation of the State of Israel, the country of Israel. And I'm very curious, obviously, to know, uh, again, Turkey, what you think of it, uh, or what was heard about it in Saudi Arabia, uh, considering the history between the Arab states and, and Israel itself. Well, in Saudi Arabia, we're celebrating 60 years of, of Palestinians being kicked out of their nation. Okay, that's pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I guess the, the, the official line is not very friendly towards Israel? Of course, it's not friendly at all. Nobody likes Israel. Unfortunately, um, Israel is a fact of life now. However, the fact that it's there it doesn't mean that we have to approve its existence. Uh, I'm not saying there are people, but they, we do have the king of Saudi Arabia had a, a resolve uh, an issue that uh, it was adopted by all the Arab countries, by the Arab League, which is clearly declares that the Arab world would do full diplomatic relations with Israel as soon as Israel draws back its forces back to the uh, 67 uh, lines. Okay, but I, I see where you're going there, but you're saying basically as you were for uh, the Hezbollah issue, which it's in the, the ball is in Israel's court, um, and they could just resolve the whole issue by doing one simple thing. Uh, the question I would like to submit to you would be, uh, throughout the short history of Israel, I think it's safe to say that uh, it's been attacked by uh, Arab, I mean, the, the different country, uh, wars that happened between Israel and the surrounding Arab countries were initiated by, by the Arab countries. Um, and of course, they wouldn't have been initiated if Israel wasn't created out of thin air in the first place. And again, that could be argued by the fact that, you know, it's the promised land and they were there and Zionist Well, it's a whole big story, but the conflicts were initiated by the Arab countries. What would you say to that? Well, it's simple. This is an official mandate that the Arab countries put on the ground, sign papers, it's official, it's everything, as simple as draw your forces, give us the lands of the 67 war, back half of Jerusalem and those lands, and we will officially recognize Israel as a nation, and we will have diplomatic relationships with you. As simple as that. This is official. This is a written paper. This is official. It's a known fact. It's not like in the old days where, oh, we will consider it, we will think it. This is an official proposal that is even recognized by the UN. Okay, so what you're saying is, you know, the past is in the past, as I guess a lot of people could uh, could agree would be a good thing for a lot of conflicts in, in that region. Yeah. Of, co of um, course, I'm not, I'm not promising the people of the Middle East to support this resolution, but I can promise the governments are going to support yeah. it and they're going to do it. Well, I guess you, you have to start somewhere. What, what would you, why would you think that the uh, Israeli government doesn't agree to that if it's that simple? Uh, it's a Zionist uh, government. They, they believe Palestine should be part of them. They, they're not very happy about supporting the establishment of a Palestinian state, and they certainly no, have no interest of giving half of Jerusalem back to the Arabs. So that's okay. basically it. Randy, how did you hear about Israel? Uh, I think the interesting thing here is that uh, America is has very good relationships with both Israel and um, uh, Saudi Arabia, as we all know. And how, do they, how did they approach that, considering what uh, Turkey told us about Saudi Arabia and Israel just a minute ago? And, and I would say, relatively speaking, that the United States does have good relationships with both of those countries. And, and the reason for that is, is the same in a lot of countries around the world. And that is because it's in the United States' best interest to have good relationships with those countries. What we're hearing, you know, what we see on this, this baseline news is is simply it's simply these these facts that that don't really give you any context yeah well, like when it comes to news the best source of news would be the bbc to be honest that's that's the source of news i trust most cnn comes second 
and you haven't seen Fox News in this country, in the U.S., if you see that ch that news channel, <laughs> you will see bad news. Well, I don't, I don't even think anyone actually calls it news anymore. Fox News is <laughs> uh, is ridiculous. Well, what do you th what do you think about Fox News, Randy? It's a joke, and, okay. and I, I don't think <laughs> I, I'm. Uh, you know, they have a very wide viewership, but those people are they like it for the bias. They like it mm. for the entertainment aspect. Uh, yeah, but the, the issue is that Fox News uh, touts itself as, you know, the fair and balanced network. We will give you the facts, the truth, the, the, with balance, which is, if people don't know, Fox News is the most biased uh, Republican, maybe even neoconservative uh, news channel ever. It's ridiculous how much it is. Uh, and and, and the, the hilarious part is, you should see the Fox channel, which is the most liberal TV channel in the U.S. Which exactly. one? The Fox Channel. They, oh. One of the major t TV networks here is Fox, right. yeah. and they have their own uh, general channel, mm. not, which is completely separate from Fox News. And this TV channel is one of the most liberal TV channels in this country. Um, Turkey, I, I, just one question before we go to uh, our local stories. Um, you didn't mention Al Jazeera in the sources that you trust. Uh, is that Did you forget about it? or No, I did not forget about it. Al Jazeera, I honestly don't trust Al Jazeera. Uh, uh, I don't know about it currently. I haven't watched it for the last year. But uh, the older times, Al Jazeera has always been uh, biased against Saudi Arabia. I don't know about the Al Jazeera, the English channel. Uh, uh, from what I heard, apparently it's a good channel. However, the Arabic channel does have, unfortunately, they are not level-headed. They Their reporters do have opinions, and they completely show those opinions in their reports. So you don't have, get a balanced view of anything. Okay, well, I guess this is going to be the end of the first, uh, the first section of the show, and we are going to dive into our local stories right now. So, who should, should we start with? Uh, Turkey, maybe. Do you want to tell us about what happened in uh, in Saudi Arabia uh, in the past month? Well, there's a few interesting things. One of them, we just there's a law that's being studied in Saudi Arabia where they're going to, uh, in courts, if a person who is required to appear in court does not appear in court, the judge would have the right to either... Uh, punish them by getting lashes or being put into jail. Apparently, that's a big problem in Saudi Arabia. It's unbelievable the number of, of uh, court dates that are keep on pushing back because one of the people who are supposed to be there, the defendant or, the, or whatever, is not there. So when you're saying lashes, I want to be clear for our listeners. You have a, a punishment system which includes uh, whip lashes on the back. Right. Exactly. Yes, we do. And uh, trust me, we do need that, especially for those who do not attend court. Just putting <laughs> them in jail is not enough because they're just, it's horrible. But, uh, we, so is, is that common? Like if you, I don't know, if you're going to go and uh, uh, walk outside of the crossing lines uh, on the streets, are you going to get lashes? Obviously, oh, I'm no, being, no, no, I'm no, being no. silly, lashes, obviously. No, no, lash, yeah. lashes are very specific for very specific crimes. And this is, uh, and it's basically based based on religion. And basically, his lashes are for being caught drunk on the streets. You get lashes. Uh, lashes are for criminals that do major crimes. And this is just this is not a law right now about attending court, but they're considering making it a law. And basically, they do need that. It's just, as I said, it's really horrible. Cases that take three days can take up to five years because that one person keeps on not attending the court session because he knows nothing would happen if he's not there and he just doesn't want this to be done because he has an interest of it not being uh, right. included in court. Okay, so that's yeah. obviously malicious. It's almost, uh, uh, you know, manipulating the court system to your advantage. But uh, something caught my attention. I actually don't drink a lot, but I know that a few friends of mine do drink. And you were saying that if you're caught drunk on, on the street, like... Uh, I guess uh, alcohol is not very uh, permitted in Saudi Arabia, but if you're caught drunk on the street, you can get lashes. 
yeah, uh, the alcohol is forbidden in Saudi Arabia officially. Uh, where if you really look for it, you would find it. However, if you are caught by the police or the religious police on the street drunk, then you are arrested and you are punishable with up to 80 lashes. However, it's not the problem. Wow, up that's to, up very, to, that's up a to, lot. Okay, okay. Up but. to 80. And it really depends. However, most cases nowadays, they just put them in jail for a whole day. The next day, they just kick them out. Okay. Um, anything else happened? Well, this is, a, this is a hilarious one. Apparently, a Saudi man uh, had some friends of his, uh, relatives, that visited his home. And, they, and he knew about it. And he prepared this huge dinner for them to welcome them at his home. And when they arrived, and he said, and after sitting for a while and having all of this chat, and he invited them to sit to the table for to eat, and they said, no, we can't sit to the table. We need to ask you something first. He said, what? And they asked for his daughter's hand in marriage to their son. And apparently they did not know that the daughter was already engaged to someone else. So the guy said, well, I'm sorry. She's already engaged. They're already planning their wedding. I cannot accept your offer. And... And but please move on to the dining table for dinner. And these people insisted that they won't move to the dining table. They won't eat unless he accepts their proposition for his daughter and the marriage. So this guy got so mad, and he put so much work into the food. And his daughter's already engaged. He went into his home. He got his machine gun. Oh, he no. put it to oh. his guest. He put oh. it. To, he pointed at his guest. He said. Either you eat or I'm going to shoot you. Wow. You should have tried the lashes, man. <laughs> Apparently they ate. Apparently they ate and that was it. <laughs> this is just hilarious. Oh, wow. That, you know, that would be too outrageous to put in a movie even. Okay. <laughs> well, come on. We, there's still a lot of Bedouin left in the tribals and left in this country. And you'll find a lot of weird things like this happen in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And it's very normal. <laughs> um, yeah, I was reading, all, I was actually listening to your, um, to your show uh, a few weeks ago. And you were talking about laws to allow uh, women to drive. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about that uh, situation in Saudi Saudi Arabia with women and driving? Yeah, well, uh, currently, the official, officially, women are not allowed to drive in Saudi Arabia. They are not allowed to be issued licenses. They are not allowed to drive. Uh, however, there is a law that I heard about that is in the Shura, which is the parliament, which is not an elected parliament. It was it's assigned by the king. All members are signed by the king. However, in that parliament, they are now studying a law that would allow women to drive. However, it's not an open law. It's not. It, there are conditions to that law. First of all, only women over 30 would be allowed to drive. Uh, women would only be allowed to drive at a specific time, like between 6 a.m. and maybe 8 p.m. And they are only allowed to drive within the city limits. So apparently that's a law being studied. And even though it's not a perfect law, I think at least one, one step closer and it's better than nothing. So that's what's the current situation at the moment. You know, um, I I think a lot of uh, our listeners might be might be very surprised and some somewhat upset about that uh, that situation in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I am a very uh, strong women's rights proponent. I, I had a, a mother who was very well. She's still alive, obviously, but uh, she's been very uh, strong uh, on women's rights, and I think that uh, the the fact that women and men should be equal in everything is very important in our society. But um, I would also like to remind people about the situation in Saudi Arabia, the fact that you don't bring uh, democracy and equality in all things in two days. And my question to you, Turkey, again, is uh, when did uh, Saudi Arabia start to change from uh, an ancient society where, you know, you had medieval laws, basically, into a modern society? When did that uh, evolution start? Well, that's something that most uh, people don't, don't know and, or don't understand. The fact is Saudi Arabia does not exist until 70 years ago. Until 70 years ago, it was an all about tribes fighting each other. There was no such country in the Arabian Peninsula. So Saudi Arabia is a very, very young country. 
So apparently it's, it's possible to, be, to change in Saudi Arabia. It just needs time and it needs to be slow and it needs for the people to start accepting it because you can't expect us just to say, you know what, let women drive in five seconds and the entire population will accept it. There's going to be a gigantic opposition to that. We had a huge opposition in the 1970s when the king at the time, King Faisal of Saudi Arabia, declared that women should have, have the right to go to school and study and learn. It yeah. was a huge opposition, but the king stood his grounds, and now women outnumber men in in schools. Well, I would also like to add the fact that uh, in France, uh, women got the right to vote about um, 60 years ago. So it's not that old, you know, until 60 years ago, women were not allowed to vote at all. So um, let's go to Armenia. Let's get in the plane and travel really, really fast through Skype to Armenia and ask Arthur what uh, has been happening this past month in his country. Well, uh, over, the, over the last month or over the last three months, actually, we have this continuous uh, standstill or political crisis in the country whereby the Armenian opposition don't want to accept the results of the February 19th presidential elections. Uh, I, I'm sorry, and Arthur, you're, you're really breaking up. I'm sorry, you're really breaking up, Arthur. I can't really understand what you're saying. Uh, okay, let's try again. You know what? If it's uh, if it's too bad, I'm going to cut it uh, from the final show because you're really breaking up. Sure. Let, let's try again. Sure. So what we have is we have an ongoing political crisis between the opposition and the authorities. And we have... Con court cases related to modern violence and strangely only opposition uh, participants of the violence are being convicted or given you know, cases or uh, and the, the government, the authorities nobody. I'm sorry, you're, note, you're, break, you're breaking up too much. What, what you were saying is that you have a, a political uh, issue and in the uh, uh, court cases only the opposition is being convicted, convicted right? Yes, that's right. And just let let me ask you, um, what's the the reason for the conflict? The opposition doesn't recognize uh, presidential elections which took place in February nineteen. Why is and that? The, the election, the elections were largely rigged. The uh, international observers recognized the, the results of the elections in most of the countries and. Our Armenian Constitutional Court recognized it, so opposition seems to be in a standstill at this point. Uh, however, they have a large base of supporters, uh, so it looks like the the situation, the political crisis, is due to continue for still some time. Okay. Um, okay, so the connection is not that good, so I think we're going to switch uh, to Randy after that one story. Sorry, Arthur. Um, Randy, what happened in the U.S.? I'm sure a lot of people are wondering what's been happening. <laughs> well, let's see. The By far the largest story for the last uh, few weeks and months even in the, in the United States, uh, across the United States, has been the, the ongoing uh, primary presidential elections. Uh, there, there, ha you know, on, uh, for one party, the nominee was was pretty much decided a couple of months ago, and for the other party, there's no end in sight to the deciding. And right. So that that that's just provided a a huge thunderstorm over all the news. There, you can't get out from under it. It leads the news. It ends the news. It's just everything. It seems sometimes. Does it overshadow other news also? I guess it would, but... Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to ask really quickly uh, to Turkey and Arthur also. We're going to try to get an answer, even with the bad uh, Skype uh, fit uh, that it's doing to us. Um, Turkey, do you even hear about... I guess you do, but do you hear about that uh, in, the, in Saudi Arabia? Oh, yeah. American politics is huge in Saudi Arabia. After all, okay. it does decide their relationship. I think Obama is the most popular international figure. Yeah in the elections, and I would think that's the same thing in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Arthur, what about you? Do you hear about that in, in uh, Armenia? I think it's about as big news as our opposition pro protests <laughs> okay. and everything. Uh, we have a large diaspora in U.S. as well, as you know, and uh, they are standing behind the Democrats, so we are kind of 
really waiting to see what's going to come out of this. Yeah, it seems like if you listen to the to the international uh, chatter, I think the whole world is backing Obama, maybe Clinton. But uh, I think, Randy, you guys in Texas are the only ones who like McCain. Well, uh, that's that's hard to say. I'm being I do know, silly, of course, but uh, but I mean it's 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 just hard to say. It's it, there has not been a good read in any part of this country on McCain versus whoever you know the Democrats pick, whether McCain yeah. versus Clinton, McCain versus Obama. I, I it just it's I'm I wish that the Democrats would just pick one. <laughs> and yeah. and let us let us find out where the whole country as a whole is polling. It's really well, hard yeah, to, I, to know. Oh, come on, uh, Randy. They already picked one. It's Obama. It's yeah, just I think it's pretty... being so stubborn. She refuses to back <laughs> out, and then she was so idiotic to to bring up the assassination of Kennedy as a sample <laughs> of how she could might win. She is absolutely flaming out. There's there's no doubt about that. Uh, but if I were her, I'd be staying in as well because there have been too many, uh, too many examples of a front runner all of a sudden having a scandal and promoting, uh, you know, the person who was seemingly out of it. I, I was just reminded that I forgot something about you, Randy. We were talking about this with Rachel last month, and I wanted to say that you are very close to Rachel uh, since you're actually her husband. So I just wanted to bring that up as. Full disclosure is a rule in this uh, show. So understood. Yes. Um, uh, you know what? I don't want to spend too much time on the uh, U.S. election because we talked about it last month, and we're going to be talking about it for a few months. Months, I guess. Um, anything else from uh, the good old U.S., Randy? In in our area, the big news has been the debacle around the state of Texas attempting to deal with a sect of fundamentalist Mormon polygamists in West Texas. And right, that, that was a story last month uh, already, wasn't it? It's, it's, yes, and it's still something. It's, uh, is it a local story in Texas, or is it a, a national story? It is a it's national a, story. It's everywhere. It's starting to annoy me seeing it on TV, <laughs> in the newspapers, online. Everybody's talking about it. Wow, okay. It's not like they had other wives and other children in the meantime, is it? It's it's really more about the fact that they they were uh, arranging marriages between older men and uh, girls. They found out some of these girls they arrested and they put them into state care because they were underage and they were. It turns out they were adults. Right, right, yeah. That's 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 why I called it a debacle. It's 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 impossible to really know what was going on. Okay. Anything else, or is that it? Hey, oh, I'm we done. Forgot one thing. Okay. I'll go ahead, forgot the Phoenix Phoenix landing. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been happening today, basically. Um, I think we talked, we heard about this in the whole world, uh, and the first pictures are actually available now. I just saw someone twittering uh, the link. We we have pictures on the on the NASA website. It's it's you know I I always amazed when things like that happen. I, I It doesn't get old for me. I don't know if I'm too naive or something. But uh, the fact that we launched uh, an object from the, the Earth uh, and that it traveled through th through space with such accuracy and managed to land on a on an alien planet, it's completely baffling to me. It do it's not, it doesn't become something that's like, oh yeah, something landed on Mars, yeah, whatever. It's the third time or something like that. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. It's always something to me. Arthur, is that really foreign to you, or do you also hear about that? Uh, we heard a little bit about that, and um, we heard about that also from Russian news, which, which we get here in somewhat envy tones, but that's <laughs> that's what we got, you know. So they were like, okay, then with China we will make plans. Yes, that basically that was on Russian news yesterday that there are some agreed decisions, discussions with China as to how they're going to use the natural resources from, uh, from the moon. And oh, that was okay. something to be contrasted with Phoenix uh, <laughs> landing story. Yeah, they have the little Phoenix uh, Mars lander thing, but we're gonna get mining from the moon. What, what are they gonna? What are they gonna get from the moon? Is there like petrol on the moon or gas? Or? I don't. Know. I think they're just <laughs> jealous and they're just trying to make this up as they go. <laughs> but then you never know. You know, Russians, the Soviets, they launched the first man to the space, so yeah. you don't know. 
Um, I have a, uh, just one story from France because uh, on the forums, on the website forums, we talked a little bit about strikes and uh, some people brought up uh, interesting articles about the fact that there's a strong perception that French people do strike a lot, but they are actually, if you look at the numbers, not the most the biggest uh, strikers in the world and the thing is in the past week or the past couple of weeks we've had so much strikes in this country uh, and so much noise from the strikes that uh, I, i i understand that the numbers are probably valid and that they're serious numbers but Like, for example, the, the fishermen were unhappy with the price of gas, which is understandable because basically they go out to sea and bring back their uh, fish. And when they s sell it all because the, the gas is so expensive, they don't have enough money to, to eat. Um, so now they, they, they blocked basically the ports, which was paralyzing a part of the country's uh, uh, maritime um, sea transport. Uh, and, but they got a, res a resolution with the government to lower the price of um, gas for them. Uh, uh, it, basically, the taxes are going to be uh, lowered a little bit. But the thing is, now, th since they got that deal, the taxi uh, drivers and the truckers, uh, uh, the road transportation people, are going on strike also because they want the same deal and because they have the same issues, obviously. So it's another strike. Um, and we also have strikes in the transport industry and the teachers and the um, people in general because of the purchasing power that we talked about a little bit last uh, last month. Uh, so basically there are strikes everywhere and uh, it feels like the country has a lot of striking and striking habits, uh, I guess I would say. And my question is to you guys, uh, what about your countries? Do you guys actually have strikes on a regular basis? Do they, do they influence your daily lives or is it just something you hear about on the news? Uh, Turkey, go. Well, uh, apparently Saudi Arabia is one of the few countries that strike is illegal. Striking is illegal. Well, I guess so that solves it. A, a couple so of uh, that, that, lashes. That's the answer. Okay. <laughs> um, Arthur, what about you? I wouldn't say it's a big problem or anything, but, uh, you know, sometimes can be unpleasant, but not that we, we meet with all the time or come about it all, all the time. Okay. Randy, strikes in the U.S.? Uh, it's the United States. It's It's the country where... More and more people are unionized and strikes happen less and less often. Okay. So I guess France is indeed a high strike country, no matter what the numbers say. I, I, I try to, you know, I do like Stephen Colbert. I choose to follow my gut, not the facts. That's what I do. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about is uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Um, uh, I just wanted to know if it was such a big deal for you guys too. And I'm going to ask Randy first. I know that you're a big movie buff and that you go basically see everything. So I'm sure you know about this festival. But um, do, do you, the American public hear about it? Because to us, it's like our uh, Academy Awards, basically. I would say I would say 99.999% of Americans don't, couldn't tell you what month con it takes place during. But do they know what it is? Uh, vaguely. To to counter to that, for us it's like cons is at least as big as Oscars but with higher quality. <laughs> Thank you Arthur. I I appreciate that. Uh, I, I would I mean I mean I mean, we can bet that whatever comes out of the Cannes Film Festival is really good movies, not not just blockbusters for the kids and everything. You know what? I actually uh, would... Uh, it's interesting that you would say that because I think the idea that Cannes is the prime film festival in the world is, a, is an idea that's very common uh, in a very small minority of French movie intellectuals that didn't, forget, that didn't evolve from the... Uh, Nouvelle Vague, the new wave of movies from Godard and people like that in the 70s. But the general public, I think, is not very interested in those movies. But I, I can tell you with certainty that a movie like Iron Man would make more uh, to, at the box office than the one that, was, that got the Palme d'Or, the, the big uh, award at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, Turkey, I, I know that music is not, uh, uh, there's issue with music in uh, Islamic countries. What about movies? Really depends on who you're talking to. Uh, 
movies are available in Saudi Arabia. We don't have movie theaters, unfortunately, but you can watch movies on DVDs and videotapes. Uh, movies are popular in Saudi Arabia. Uh, Cannes Festival is a popular uh, celebration. Apparently, Cannes is also known to the rich people in Saudi Arabia as the place to go. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a good thing. Uh, first, oh, by the way, congratulations on getting an award. Took you 21 years, you French people, to get it back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we're givers. We're not takers. We, we like to... <laughs> we're generous. Uh, all right. If you say so, I'll just go along with that. <laughs> Um, okay, I guess we're, this brings us to the end of our second uh, segment, and we are going to end with a couple of uh, funny and quirky stories with our uh, and now for something completely different uh, segment as a conclusion. So guys, uh, we just have time for one or two. Uh, who wants to go for our funny, quirky, silly stories? Um, Turkey, Randy, do you have one? Arthur, just speak all at once. No. I think I got my funny one already out. So. Okay, <laughs> Randy, do you have one? The the surprise to me uh, was coming o- over to look at the news yesterday and finding that he- the headline news for us the 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 top of all of the news was the the very important knowledge that we must all share that a motorcycle stunt driver had made a jump over a bunch of buses <laughs> this 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 was the most important thing we could we could find out about yesterday and- I don't yeah. know if you want more information on that or not. It's it's kind of uh, well. I think you were saying it's uh, it's uh, Evil Knievel's son or something. It's a stunt man basically that does that for a living. It's very impressive, but yeah, I don't know if it warrants the top news spot uh, for the day. I, I don't know if it warrants even another word, but <laughs> it, it it was just shocking to me because when I first saw it, I thought, oh, maybe he died, maybe he uh, sprouted wings and flew. <laughs> Maybe something. Hey, that would have been an interesting story, indeed. Yeah. Exactly. Is there something that that promotes this? No, no. He just strapped himself to an engine and shot himself uh, and and survived, basically. <laughs> Arthur, do you have one? Well, speaking, uh, actually, not a fun story, but speaking of top stories, it's really funny that our top story of above all these things happening on Earth was the Eurovision contest and Armenia in it and Russia winning kind of stuff, which is like, I mean, it's a, it's a show for, you know, just a show where some bad singing is done and some some countries send some singers, you know. And then yeah. this is like the biggest national event and the girl from Armenia who participated is cheered like a hero. I don't know. We have a problem, man. <laughs> well, it was also a very... Uh, um, uh, it was the first time Armenia was entering the competition, wasn't it? It was the, th- it was the third time. It was okay. the first time that we sent a girl and okay. a beautiful one at that. So, so that's basically... Hey, there you yeah. Go. yeah, beautiful singing girls is what you need to do if you want uh, headlines. So maybe that's what we're going to do for our next show. We're going to have beautiful singing girls uh, singing to you. I don't know. We'll see about that. But I think that's going to be it for our second episode. And before what, we... Singing? That's, oh. just, that's it? That's all we're getting? <laughs> well, what do you want? It's an audio show. What would you want more? <laughs> They're going to be singing the news and interesting news. <laughs> and, and I'll and I'll, I'll make you a deal if you'll send the girls to Somebody me. Somebody email him the photos, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Randy, you know what? You were I, I'll just visit you. Yeah, that, that, there you go. J- just do that. Come to Paris, and we'll try, we'll try to get the photos all in one place. You were saying something, Randy? I was just going to make you a deal that if you'd send the girls to me, I will arrange the microphones and the internet connection. And and make sure that they're very comfortable. You just yeah, you just want to have the girls in your in your room. What would Rachel say about that? I wonder. I better not respond. Never. <laughs> hey, I'm yeah. just saying I'm single here. I have no problems. There you go. We we were just saying all those beautiful things about women r- women's rights, and now we're objectifying them. It's terrible. I feel sorry about all this. Um, so before we end this uh, this show, I just want to give uh, you guys the opportunity to pimp your shows and to pimp your blogs. Um, Turkey, do you want to tell our listeners where you they can find you? 
Yeah, my blog is, of course, www.asaudilife.net. And it's basically a blog of me talking about Saudi Arabia, my personal views about Saudi Arabia and the world. But I do answer a lot of questions. People can email me and let me know what they're thinking, what they want to know about Saudi Arabia, and I'll be happy to provide them with whatever they need. Okay, thanks a lot. Arthur? Well, you can find me at D-I-T-O-R-D, which is Ditor at WordPress.com. And it's news from Armenia, basically. Okay, thanks. And uh, Randy, is there a, a link you want to give? or The primary way to, to find me is at the instance.net. If you're a player slash lover of the game World of Warcraft, you'll know what to do from there. If not, well, have a nice day. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, Randy, I know you have to run. Uh, thanks a lot for being with us. Uh, I'm going to let you go. And uh, with the other ones, I'm going to just uh, ask uh, our listeners, if they enjoy the show, to uh, give us a little review on iTunes. Um, you can find the show on the iTunes podcast section, of course. And you can also find uh, the website at thephiliasclub.com, obviously. And if you want to contact us through um, email, you can send an email to contact at thephiliasclub.com. So on the website, we have a few news, but mostly uh, the forum. The forums is a place where you can come and discuss with a bunch of uh, intelligent, like-minded people, I hope, mostly. So that's going to be it for us this month. I want to thank again uh, Arthur and Turkey and Randy uh, for being here. And uh, I will talk to all of you in uh, a month. Thanks a lot and goodbye. Say bye, guys. Bye. Bye and thanks, Vilias Club. <laughs> <laughs>